go. That's it. <laughs> Off and away. How's it? Hey, good morning. Welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive question you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give a call? It's 499-9526. And, of course, that is area code 225, just in case you're outside of our normal calling area. That's right. And the farthest caller today, on live on the air, will get a free T-shirt. That's exactly right. You just give Miss Billy your name and address, and she will be sure that she gets that to me, and I'll send the Ag Code T-shirt over to you. Send it out monday morning that's right wherever you may be that's it so looking to hear from you that's right just in case you don't get a chance to call in or something occurred to you during the week or- that's right you can always get your questions answered at our website mm-hmm. the address is www.agcoauto.com that's a g c o a u t o.com right easy way to remember that's take the acronyms from altazan's garage company that's right the site has a contact bar on every page. You mm-hmm. can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night using the form on the site. That's right. That will get a question straight to Lewis, and he'll get it answered and get it back to you within 24 hours. Oh, absolutely. And if you hadn't received an answer within 24 hours, just go ahead and make sure you put your right return address in there. Right, because one character off, and it just won't well, do anything. that's right. And, of course, you can always have a glitch somewhere here or there, and I might not receive it because I don't ever ignore emails. That's so right. if you so, hadn't gotten an answer in 24 hours, just send it again, and I'll be sure I get that right back to that's you. right there's also the vehicle questions right part of the site which is a straight to the point answer to a particular question right almost 1100 of those in there those are the questions that have already been answered that's right and there's the detail topics, detail topics mm-hmm. which is a more much more in-depth article about a certain topic that's right that'll give you just about anything you want to know about a specific topic put one on there this morning which is kind of the second in sort of a series of how-to articles, and it tells you how to check fuses and relays. Uh And you consider how many electrical problems in automobiles are either a fuse or a relay. Sure. And a fuse sounds very, very simple, except that there are proper ways of checking it and improper ways of checking it. I know at the shop, many, many times, folks will bring cars in. They say, well, I checked all the fuses, and it's not that. So first thing you do is go check it, and you got a bad fuse. Sure. And there are better and worse ways to check fuses. Some are not. Pulling it out and looking at it is probably one of the worst. That's it, because you can't really tell. Right. You Sometimes you just can't tell. It'll be popped right down below the little plastic holder or something. You can't see it. Not only that, but when you fight with that fuse to get it out, you're actually spreading those terminals on the fuse box, which is inviting future problems. Right. It used to be you had a big old glass fuse, had right. big ends on it. It snapped into a keeper that held it in mm-hmm. tight. They've gone from that to a blade fuse now, right? and they're even getting smaller and smaller. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I can't even see them. <laughs> I'm telling you, they're tough to work on. But they are better ways of checking. This article will tell you all about that. Also, how to check a relay, because right. relays cause a lot of problems, and a lot of times it's difficult to know how to check it. But this goes in, it actually shows you a diagram of a Chevrolet fuel pump circuit and how the relay works in that. So on and so forth. Go in there and see what you think. I think you'll really like it. It's www.agcoauto.com. And we would appreciate you taking a look at that. We're going to our phone lines with Chris. Good morning, Chris. Hey there. Good morning. Yes, good sir. morning, sir. I was calling a simple question. I sure. used to have a 77 Nova. Okay. And when in the mornings, I used to have to warm it up until I, that meter get past the seat and warm it up so that I could. Um, yes, sir. Otherwise, mm-hmm. when I started rolling, it cut off on me. Yeah, that, that was but, a uh, carbureted car. Right. Right. Okay. Does that have any effect? I mean, does that, if you have a newer car, like 2000? No, sir, because you see, Chris, that car had a carburetor on it. With a manual choke. And a manual choke. The reason that you had those problems is because a carburetor depends on physics and mechanics. 
And when some of the factors change, like it's cold, then it's going to have to act different. And they put some mechanisms there to try to deal with that. But it was nowhere close to what an electronic fuel injector is. With an injector, the computer's got sensors that tell it what the outside temperature is, what the barometric pressure is, what the air intake temperature is, what the coolant temperature is, along with several other factors. And the computer actually calculates the optimal mixture. So that's why now you can just reach over, hit the key, it starts right up and runs just fine as long as everything is working. Now, of course, if something goes wrong, you can get much the same symptoms that you got with the carburetor. For instance, if it loses its air intake temperature sensor, then it doesn't know how cold it is, how cold the air is, how dense the air is, then it may act like an old carbureted car did. Okay. Did, okay. did I answer the question or did I kind of talk around it? <laughs> no, no, that's, that's totally what I wanted to know. Yes, if, sir. If that benefits me at all doing it on a newer car. No, so. sir. You, you know, remember back, every car in those days, Chris, had kind of like a little procedure that worked well with it. Some of them you'd push the gas pedal to the floor one time and then crank it. Some of them you'd push it two or three times. Some of them you right. wouldn't push it at all. Well, see, you don't really have to worry about any of that now. You just reach in there and just turn the key, and it's going to start. Because right. the fuel pump's going to run for a few seconds. The injectors are going to double pulse. They're going to hit. They're going to prime the engine. The ignition's going to set itself. The timing's going to advance itself. It's going to take right on off. And, I mean, you can wait a second or two, allow it to kind of get its thoughts together, I guess, before slamming it and drive and taking off, although you could actually do that. You know, it, I, I've it seen make people, much difference. I've seen people do it that way. Yeah. I mean, as, as soon as the starter disengages, it's in gear and they're gone. Right, because you still have to have lubrication and stuff to the moving parts of the engine, and that does take a split second to right. accomplish. It's best to give it 10, 15 seconds yeah, after it, it's give running. give it a few seconds just to kind of clear its head and get moving. But it's going to basically, the computer is going to pretty much calculate everything it needs to do, and it's going right. to do it all for you. And in that aspect, technology is great yeah i mean it's come ways around a carburetor ever thought about being right. efficient ways that technology is actually trying to kill us right now so <laughs> all righty thank you very much okay yes, Chris, thanks for calling man i four nine 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 five two six number if you want to be part of the automotive hour we would love to have you and we've got ronnie online good morning ronnie uh yes i have a 2003 chevy pickup uh-huh. uh 5.3 yes sir. and i'm going down the road it hasn't happened a whole lot, but it's starting to do it a little more often. Okay. I go to turn in, and it just dies. Okay. Crank, cranks right back up. I go on. It may not do it again to the next day. Come to a red light, start to apply the brakes, it just it shuts down. Roddy, that's not common for that mm-hmm. truck. I haven't seen a whole lot of them do that. So it was something wrong with your particular vehicle. I would have to see it to tell. Are you setting a check engine light at all? No, it's, it's not. It doesn't have a check engine light. I had oh, one yeah. on before, but That's, I had something else going yeah. on. Yeah. First thing I would do is to go in and read PCM and see if there are any codes stored. Because there's certain codes that won't turn light on. They're called manufacturer's codes. They don't relate to emissions, uh-huh. but it may have set a code, which would give you somewhere to start. Now, that is going in with a proper scan tool, right. a factory you, scan tool to get that information. Right. you got to have something like a Tech 2 to get that information. Okay. Now, some of the things that can cause that, that I have seen would be like a connection at the throttle body that's loose or burned or spread open. Uh-huh. Or see, this has drive-by wire on this truck. doesn't have an idle servo or any of that. So idle and everything else is controlled by the computer through the throttle body. Uh-huh. If the connection is loose, it can actually cause a problem like that. Another thing that can cause that would be if you changed a battery sometime in the last few months, and that was prior to this beginning. Have you done that? No, I haven't. I have not changed the battery lately. 
Okay, because it can actually lose idle function. If the throttle body is dirty enough, it cannot learn it. Another thing would be a dirty throttle body because mm -hmm. what happens, that throttle body blade has to return all the way to zero position for the computer to know home and to calculate movement. If for some reason there's a little bit of carbon or something built up on the back side of that throttle body, what it could do is that the blade doesn't return all the way down so the computer gets confused mm -hmm. and it doesn't know exactly where to set idle. So, see, what you got is a failure to idle because okay. if it starts right back up, it's not something like a crank sensor dropping out or a cam sensor mm -hmm. dropping out. It wouldn't start right back up until that cooled off. So, okay. I would probably check that throttle body wiring real, real good, make sure mm -hmm. nothing's loose, look at the plastic, make sure it's not discolored at all. Mm -hmm. If it is, they do sell a pigtail where you can replace that, and we do replace quite a few of those. Okay. Second thing is I would clean that throttle body very carefully. Now, okay. in doing that, you have to go through a special procedure to do that because that is a computer-controlled throttle body. Mm -hmm. If you don't clean it right or if you open it, you manually open it with the key on, it will mm -hmm. close itself. And with, if with your finger in if it. If your finger's in it, it's oh. going to smash, it's going to cut your finger up. Pretty powerful. Right. Right. There, it so. really is. Yeah, you want to disconnect it before and you do that. You want to make sure you use the proper chemical to clean it with don't right. use brake cleaner or anything right. like that because it, okay. it will body cleaner it will actually eat the anodized coating off of that throttle blade and uh -huh. then then it's over then you yeah. can't do anything now, with it alternatively you could bring it in and we could do it for you it's a very minimal charge to do that and you're sure it's done right one uh -huh. last thing ronnie there are some updated programs on a lot of gm vehicles i'd have to see if this one falls under it but there were some update programs for idle concerns is where we go in and reflash the computer and it makes it idle better Okay, so I, I might, might just bring it to you and let you clean it. Well, we could do that. It'd be a minimal charge, right. and we could also check and do the update if necessary. And I believe between all that, you're probably going to find your problem. Okay. All, all right. right. Well, I appreciate it. Okay, Ronnie. Thanks, Carl. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh -huh. Hi, four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. We're going to go ahead and take a quick little break. We'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. I get you. There are reports of alien aircraft landing across the nation. For more, we go to field reporter Jack McClin. Dave, the alien ship has malfunctioned, and they're actually communicating with General Toms via intergalactic code. I uh, see. Your ship is broken down. Do you want to be taken to our leader, the president? Oh, to Agco Automotive, the leader in car maintenance and repair, where they don't just work on cars, they fix them. Sir, he's correct. You can trust the honest, knowledgeable team at Agco to do the job right. Sergeant, it looks like we're dealing with some highly evolved life form. Dave, I'll sign off for now, but it seems that across the universe, everyone knows that Agco is the place to go. And if you want to learn more, go to agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Wait, there's another question. What is it, General? Well, they heard Demi Moore's back on the market and want her phone number. Like you said, a highly evolved life form. Welcome back. Please join us at the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvis Hale, and Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call, 499-9526. And, of course, that is area code 225. And we're going line with Kevin. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. Yes, Good morning, sir. sir. First of all, thanks for taking my call. Oh, you're sure. quite welcome, sir. I have a 1991 Ford Explorer. Uh-huh. And quite fond of it. And I'm having this problem that nobody seems to resolve. Okay. Back about a year and a half ago, 
the fuel pump went out. At least I thought the fuel pump went out. And what's really interesting is it wound up just being a fuse, just like the you spoke yes, about earlier. Uh-huh. And several people had looked at it and couldn't tell that the fuse was actually out. Okay. Anyway, I got the fuel. Uh, I wound up changing the fuel pump on it, uh-huh. but we couldn't get fuel back up to the injector. Okay. Anyway, long story short, I got all that taken care of. Now the problem that I'm having with it is whenever I get like to a red light, sometimes it'll do it. Most of the time, it don't do it in the morning. But in the afternoons, uh, if I do a lot of stopping going, when I get to a red light, I get to a stopping point. Mm-hmm. If it sits in an idles too long, it's like the mixture of something is, is wrong. Like I can smell gas, but either it gets too much gas or either not enough gas, and then it kills. I can turn it off, and most of the time it'll start back up, give it a little gas, and it'll go. But Kevin, have you ever tried when it's doing this before it dies, putting your foot on the gas pedal and see if you can keep it running? Yeah, I'll go up park. And, and it'll um, keep running if you do that? Sometimes, if I do it quick enough way before it starts yes. to putter. Once yes, it starts once it goes down, it's too late. But yeah. if you can keep it running by applying throttle, the most likely cause on that particular one is going to be the idle air control valve. That was a little valve that's up on top of the throttle body. It's relatively inexpensive, and it's real easy to change. And they were notorious for this problem on Fords, particularly the early 90-model Fords. Okay. What they do is they get dirty, and they work sometimes, maybe even most of the time, but they slow down. What the idle servo does is that when the engine comes to an idle and is sitting there, let's say the AC cycle's on, for instance. Okay. Well, it increases the load on the engine. Well, this little valve opens, gives it a little bit more air, so then the fuel mixture picks up, and it speeds the engine up to keep it running at the same speed. That's the little silver round bottle. Exactly, with, with a little black uh, dot yeah. on top of it and a wire going into it. If, yeah. uh, if it gets slow, when it bogs down for whatever reason, then it can't catch it fast enough, and it just starts choking down, 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 and then before you know it, it dies. And yep. it'll generally start right back up again. Okay. That is almost surely going to be the problem. I guess there are a few other things it could be, but, man, those go out so much. If that's not been changed, I would probably just go ahead and replace it okay. just to kind of test it. If you can ever get it where it's doing it on a fairly regular basis, you could take something like a handle of a screwdriver and just tap on it a little bit and see if it starts to idle. Okay. And that's kind of and a way to what, tell. Okay. Just one more thing in conjunction yes, to that. But will it also cause, because this is what it does, if I'm at, say I'm at a red light and mm-hmm. I hold my foot on the brake, mm-hmm. it'll like it want to go, like it'll, you know, even though my foot's on the brake, it'll still idle up like the car wants to move. Would that well, be consistent with what, what no, you're No, not necessarily, Kevin. It could be related because it could be picking up the, the speed too much, which would make it want to go. i tell you one other thing that you're not going to believe, but I guarantee it can do it, and that is if the torque converter clutch is not fully releasing it will do the same exact thing because it's kind of like trying to come to a stop with the clutch partially out. There's a clutch inside the torque converter, and what it does when you hit the brake switch, it's supposed to release that clutch so you can come to a stop with the motor running. Uh Now, what works that on a Ford is that there's a big spring there that always applies the clutch. When the solenoid opens, it puts fluid pressure to that clutch and releases it. Something as simple as being a couple of quarts low on transmission fluid can make a Ford do that. Because as the fluid pressure drops or a dirty filter on the transmission, Uh it it starts to get less pressure, and the computer automatically ducks the pressure to certain circuits. If it doesn't fully release that clutch, the car is going to want to keep moving, and the engine is going to die. Now, what you could do is if you kick it in neutral and it quits doing it, Uh then that's pretty much a dead giveaway. Okay. 
So right. it could be that, something. Where, where would I find that? Where, what, would I, what, would I, what would you? What would you suggest? What you need to, to do? Change the um, transmission fluid, the screen. Well, and, that's sure not going to hurt anything, especially okay. if it hadn't been done recently, and make your your whole problem. But what I I've would never, do is take it. Somebody knows what to do, and let them put a gauge on it with a pressure gauge. You can detect that, and then that way you know what you're getting. What's that? It will show me my fuel. No, no so check the transmission pressure. There's actually ports okay. on the side ports of the transmission that, thing, you know. that you can hook a gauge into and actually physically see the pressure moving. Mm -hmm. So you can watch that gauge when you come to stop. If that circuit still has pressure on it, right. then you know you're into a transmission Problem. issue. See, and it could be the solenoid in the transmission not fully releasing, or it could be the wires going to it, or it could be low on fluid, or it could be a stopped-up filter. I mean, it could be a lot of things. Okay. But you need to really get that to somebody you need to get and that take it when you take it in, give them the symptom. Right. Don't go in and tell them, look, my transmission's doing this or right. tell them okay. what you just told us. Yeah, tell exactly okay. what you told us. This is what okay. it's doing. And okay. Kevin, you want to get that to somebody that you trust because right. if okay. you go to the wrong guy, you can end up with a transmission no matter what. <laughs> yeah. and still have the same problem. <laughs> so you want that somebody who's number one technically competent enough to find the problem, and number two honest enough to tell you the truth about it. Yeah, I'm here from Seattle. I just recently relocated to this okay. area. Okay. Who would you suggest? To I me? tell Can you I what. You go to our website, which yep. is agcoauto.com. Echo. Agco. A G C O A U T O. A G C O. C O. A U T O. T O. T O. T is in auto. Right. Okay, auto. Okay. Right, Staff Altazan's Garage Company. There is an article on there about how to select a great shop. Right, right on the front page. All right. And read that article, and, and then you can kind of make of, a decision from tons there. Tons of information. You hit the search bar and look up torque converter. Just type in the word converter or torque converter on the search bar, and it'll find you. There's right. articles on there on, on that exact topic. A lot of great information. It's not going to cost you a thing to, to go through the whole site. Right. Man, thank you so much. All I've been right. trying to get to the end of this, this uh, <laughs> to the bottom of this. And a lot of people I took it to say it's like a project car, but to me, she my baby. I've been having her for right. five years, drove her from Seattle to here. Yeah. I want to keep her a little while. Good deal. All right, man. Y'all right, have a good day. Thanks for the call. Thanks for thank taking you. my call. Thank yes, you, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, right. four nine 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 five two six number if you want to be part of the automotive hour. And we have got Jim online. Good morning, Jim. Hey, quick question. Yes, I have a sir. 2009 Chevrolet, uh -huh. and they say you don't push change transmission fluid until after 100,000 miles. I have 70,000 miles. Do I need to change it? Yes or no? How do you use the truck, Jim? I cut grass and use it for daily use. So you're towing a, towing a little trailer, trailer with it or something? Yes, sir. I would definitely yeah. do it, yeah. Now, worst case scenario, a proper service is going to cost you $200, probably less than that, and transmission is 3000 Okay. Now that so, is, and that's the only way to protect it. That being an 09, that has DEX 6 in it. Right. Which is a synthetic fluid. Right. And you've got to put that back in it. Right. Make sure you, whoever does it, make sure they do the proper job. What you don't want, Jim, is a flush. If they okay. throw the word flush at you in any way, shape, or form. Turn around and walk out. Yeah. Done. That is worse than doing nothing at all. One reason GM went with that recommendation because so many people are flushing transmissions and then tearing them up. They were trying to keep it out of the hands of the flushers. So they said it's better to do nothing at all than to get it flushed. At least at 100000 you out of their warranty, so they ain't worried about you after that. Okay, so I don't have to worry about anything changing. So I mean, because people say if you change it now, it's too late already. Absolutely not. No, sir. That's just like saying I ain't brushed my teeth in six months, so I ain't ever going to brush them again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like game plan to me. Yeah, no, yeah, go to our website and just uh, go to the search bar and hit the word flush, and it's going to bring up a bunch of articles. It'll tell you the difference in it. It'll tell you what proper service is. But, no, a proper service can absolutely never hurt a vehicle, regardless of the mileage, and it can buy you some time. But hey, no, so where y'all located at so I can bring it to y'all? Uh, 11410 Corsi Boulevard.
That's right. That'll work. Hey, yep. thank y'all very much. Okay, man. Jim. It. Thank you. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526. number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. We're going to take one more quick little break, and we'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. There are reports of alien aircraft landing across the nation. For reaction from Washington, we go to Kit Moyer. Dave, Congress has been deadlocked for hours on a big decision. No doubt about this alien threat. No doubt. Well, Dave, my sources tell me that the alien ships have malfunctioned, and they want their repairs performed by Agco Automotive. So you're saying for all these years, Agco has been operating as an alien hub, helping in their evil plot to take over the world. No, you said that. I'm saying that these aliens know that inferior repair work can cost you time and money down the road. And taking their vehicle to Agco means it gets fixed right the first time. So if you want to learn more about how Louis Altazan is a servant to an alien overlord, visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Dave, you're really trying to boost ratings, aren't you? Uh, sorry. Wait, Dave. Congress is no longer deadlocked, and it looks like it's thin crust and not deep dish. Yes, people, our tax money hard at work. I'm Kit Moyer, signing off. Hey, welcome back. You just joined us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alpazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Tune two of us for trying to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call, 499-9526. And, of course, that is area code 225. You happen to be outside of our calling area. And we have got Kirk online. Good morning, Kirk. Good morning. Yes, Good morning, sir. sir. I have an 02 Ford pickup. Uh-huh. And after I start it and I take off and I, if I want to turn right or left, uh-huh. And I kind of give it a little bit of gas. It seems to make like a little noise, kind of like it when you're in gravel, but you're not. Okay, and it's when you're turning that you hear it, Kirk? Yes. Has the, rear, has the rear differential been serviced on it recently? Yes. yes, it's been probably about a year and a half. Did noise start kind of right after that? Yes. Okay. What probably, and this is kind of a long shot, but I, I've heard this a million times, the rear differential, it's probably got a locking rear differential. There is a special additive that Ford makes that you have to add to that, or those clutches will make that exact noise. And it will always be when you're turning, because right. when you're turning, one wheel's traveling around a larger radius than the other, so that's when those clutches have to slip. Going okay. straight, they're just turning. They're not doing anything. When a lot of folks change the rear oil in the truck, what they do is they drain it out, they fill it back up, and they don't put that additive in there. Okay. So what I would start with, Kirk, is to get a couple of bottles of the limited slip additive and add those to it and see if the noise doesn't go away. If it gets better but it doesn't go completely away, it could be that you got a little damage on the clutches. And I actually like the Chrysler product better than I do Ford. They are supposed to both be compatible. We usually put the Chrysler product in everything. It just works better than the Ford one does. Okay. But it's it's called limited slip differential added. If you go to a Chrysler dealer and just tell him that's what you want, he'll get you a couple of bottles of it. Just take, and I don't think that one has a drain plug on the rear end. You're probably going to have to either pull the rear cover off and drain some out, or if it has an ABS sensor in the top of the housing, you might be able to take that sensor out, reach something down in there, and suck a little bit of fluid out of it. And then just go ahead and fill it back up. Or really, I guess you could just take the plug out the side and maybe jack one wheel up to drain a little bit out. The plug will probably be on the right-hand side of the housing. If you take that plug out and just jack the left wheel up a little bit, some's going to pour out. Or vice versa, whichever side it's on. Yeah, whichever side it's on. And go ahead and set it back down level because you don't want to overfill it. If you overfill it, you make the axle seal start leaking. 
but okay. put you a couple of bottles of that in there and then drive it around and maybe even make a few good hard turns both ways to kind of work it in. And I think the noise is going to start going away and then it's going to eventually go completely away. You want to try to get all of that additive in there yeah, two if, full if possible. Drain out more than you think you're going to have to put back right, in and right. then you can actually pour some gear oil in that bottle and shake it around well, you, and use that yeah, you, and finish putting that additive in it. Right. Try to get it all in there. Catch a little bit of what you dump out and just put back what you need to. Okay, how many ounces per bottle? I don't really and know, but small. it only comes in one little bottle. I'd say it's about four, four ounces, four maybe. Four to six ounces, yeah, maybe. four to six ounces. Okay. I don't think they're it, much It only comes in that. one size. So just tell okay. me you're on two bottles. Yeah, and go ahead and put two in there. Right. And not just um, one. Mm-hmm. You, do it, you do it through that... that uh, through the field through hole. The field, right. Okay. All righty. Thank you, sir. Okay, All right, man. Sir. Bye-bye. Hi, four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, and we have got Chris been patiently holding. Good morning, Chris. Hey there. Yes, Good morning. Sir. I was calling to this experimental question from a guy that know much about cars. Okay. But if you if an individual had like a, maybe a, a six cylinder vehicle, mm-hmm. maybe like a two thousand. Okay. And let's say if that engine goes out, and that person gets the idea of an engine swap. Okay. But an engine swap with something that's a four cylinder. Is it possible? What you think about that? It's possible, but probably not feasible. Right. Exactly. Because right. of everything you got to change to, to accomplish this. Mm-hmm. See, with a six cylinder, you've got a computer that is designed, the wiring harness is designed for that car to fire run that cylinders. engine mm-hmm. to fire six cylinders. Now, when you go to four, you, your wiring is going to be different. Your whole computer strategy system is right. going to be different. None of your accessories are going to bolt plus, up. Yeah. Plus, all your mechanicals, it's not going to work. You would actually be better cheaper to probably put the six-cylinder car on the market sell it for what you can get take the money and put it towards buying a four-cylinder car at one time that kind of thing used to be pretty common chris back when i first started out doing mechanic work not only we put v8s in place of six cylinders but we put oldsmobile v8s and chevrolets and all kinds of stuff like that but cars were so simple back then you could do that right you had a carburetor you had a fuel pump that was bolted to the engine you had a a wiring harness that consisted of three sensors, maybe, yeah, maybe right. two. Well, there was no such thing as a sensor. <laughs> well, you had, you still had your water temperature sensor yeah. and your oil pressure sensor. Yeah, about it. And that was really about all, except for the wiring to the car. And they all shared common, common things. Thing. Yeah, they had all twelve volt systems. Whereas now everything's five volt reference digital. It just it's just not feasible anymore. Not that it could not be done. It could, but it would probably cost you far, far more in excess of what it would be worth to do it. It's really not worth. It. It would not be. It not would on that model of a vehicle. Economically be infeasible. Right. Okay. Thank you. Hey, thank you, man. Yes, sir. Thanks for the call, man. All right. is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. Yeah, we used to do that all the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Back, right, that's the heart of the hot rodder there. Well, yeah, back in the 60s, that was extremely common. If you wanted to make more horsepower and Particularly if you were a poor man, you couldn't afford to build a big hot rod in. You just went and got a bigger motor out of a junkyard and That's slapped it. in your car. That's it. Took a small block out and put a big block in. Single easiest thing you could do to make a whole lot more horsepower. That's right. And, boy, that went on just a lot. In fact, for years and years and years, well, from 1919 all the way to 1954, Chevrolet did not produce a V8 engine. Correct. Everything was six-cylinder. So if you really wanted to make some horsepower, you either had to go and get an Oldsmobile or a Pontiac V8 or a Cadillac V8, or even you might get a Ford Flathead and put in it. Right. 
banish the thought, putting a Ford engine hey, in a Chevrolet. Hey, it happens, man. It happens. <laughs> Chevrolet in a Ford. One. I can see that. <laughs> you can understand that, huh? That I can understand. Exactly. From the heart of a Chevrolet owner. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but that kind of stuff was relatively common. They used to even make adapter plates where you could bolt the different engines oh, yeah. to different types of transmissions and all. And yeah, that, a guy I know actually took a 52 Willis Jeep mm-hmm. and put a Ford 302 in it. That's right. Had to have an adapter plate, used a Chevrolet clutch. Mm-hmm. You know, it... It yeah. all went in, worked, and, and it works great. Still be done. It's just so so much more involved now with all the electronics and all because none of that is going to hook up. The computer's generally not going to operate with a new engine. Well, you'd have to have a donor car. Well, that's right. You'd no, have to have none the of whole your accessories car. are going to work. You, you know, your air conditioning right. lines aren't going to hook up. You would have to have a, a donor that had everything on it you right. needed, and it could be done, but. There again, it may not be feasible to do it. Well, yeah, you got to fabricate mounts and everything right. else under the sun, so. Yeah, it'd be really, and size is so critical. Like especially on a front wheel drive car, that engine squeeze in there. If it's two inches longer, two inches shorter, it's just not going to fit in there. That's right. Not like in the old days, we had a big, huge engine compartment. And you could pretty much anything that would fit in there would work. Let's go back to our phone lines. We've got Willie online. Good morning, Willie. Yes. Good morning. Good yes, morning. Yes, I have a two thousand two Ford Mustang. Uh-huh. Okay. And I tried to crank it up, and it just hit one time the starter. It just a king, and then that was it. Okay. What does it do now when you turn the key? I'm nothing, just a dashboard light up. That's all. Lights and stuff on strong, the horn blow loud. Willie, the first thing I would want to check, you know that great big old bolt on the end of the crankshaft in the harmonic balancer? Harmonic balancer? Yeah, okay. you know you know what's on the front of the motor? Get a right. wrench and a big socket and put it on there and see if you can physically turn the motor. Now, try to turn it clockwise, right. not counterclockwise. Yeah, you don't loosen the you'll, bolt. You'll uh, loosen the bolt. It should turn over fairly easy yeah, with a long wrench. Yeah, it should be easy to turn. But yeah. that's a good way to tell if the motor's locked up. Right, because it could be that for some reason the motor has locked up on it in which case there's no sense going on you got a pretty serious internal engine problem now if i don't mean cut off but this is the second time it happened yeah now if the motor turns free right okay Okay. then i would be looking at maybe the starter motor could have gone bad on it it may have a bad spot in the starter armature or the wiring to the starter you could have a bad connection at the starter it makes one jump Right. And then it can't make a jump again. Right. And it just it hits one time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, this is the second time it helped. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like kind of like a bad wiring problem Could be. or a bad starter, well, like Lewis was what, saying. What you might want to try is take and reach down on the starter where that great big wire is right. and see if you can move that by hand at all. It, it shouldn't move. The Should terminal move shouldn't it. move. Right. The if wiring's it, if going to. If you can to. turn that, it's probably loose. Try tightening that first. Still doesn't want to start. You might try something like take a little small hammer and gently tap the starter while you're holding the key over okay. and see if it'll go. Because sometimes just tapping it will make it go. If it does, then replace the starter. Okay. All right. All right. Okay, Willie. Hey, look. Check uh-huh. the wiring at the battery also mm-hmm. because that wire comes from the starter to right. the battery. And if you got a bad connection at the battery, it'll do the same the horn, thing. The horn and all still blows good. You, I've okay. still seen yeah, that's right. a problem. Because the starter the, pulls so much more amperage than anything else. Especially if you got a temporary terminal on it. Right. Exactly. That, that'll that do it. I'm telling you, that'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So all right. check all, all that. All right. Okay, Willie. Appreciate you. Thank right, you, man. Sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Ralph on the line. Good morning, Ralph. Good morning. Yes, Good morning. I've got kind of a, a general question okay, for you. you bet. I have a 2007 Kia that I bought, uh, brand new. And when I bought it, I bought the extended warranty uh-huh, uh-huh. on it. And now my regular warranty's run out. Okay. I, I'm just curious, as a garage owner, how does a warranty like that work? I bring in, I can bring in any garage, I guess, as yeah. I was told. Ralph, and, and, 
I don't like those warranties at all, and I always advise people against buying them. But, I mean, if you already got it, it's kind of a moot point. They right. There's a number of problems with a lot of times, I'm getting a bunch of background noise there. I'm going to put you on hold. A lot of times what happens with those is that they have a million exclusions of the things they will cover and the things that they will not cover. Another problem with them is a lot of times those companies will actually go bankrupt on you, and especially the ones that call around on your cell phone trying to sell you an extended warranty right. and that kind of stuff. That could be a baller room operation down in the Bahamas somewhere. You call them and dee, 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 this number has been temporarily disconnected. Which so, means permanently. Right, exactly. <laughs> All that said, if it is a legitimate company and it does cover what you want, what you do is you bring it into the shop. The shop calls them, explains the repair to them. If it's over a certain amount, they generally want to send somebody out to the shop so it delays the repair somewhat. They will decide what they're going to pay, and they will either pay part or all of it. Some of them pay direct to the shop. Some of them pay to the policy holder. And like I said, it's, it's a good bit of extra work and stuff for the shop, and there's a certain amount of risk involved, so a lot of shops just don't want to fool with them. And I hope I answered the, your question. I know we went kind of a long way around the totem pole there, but I hope I gave you an answer like you want it. We're going back to our phone lines. we got Cleveland on the line. Good morning, Cleveland. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, sir. Uh, I got a question for you. Sure. Are you familiar with products? Yeah, but I can't discuss brand names on the air, Cleveland. As a general rule, what I'm going to tell you is that I would avoid any of those kind of products. Anything that you add to a car like that, GM, Ford, Chrysler has come out against them. My experience has been exactly the same. Most of that kind of stuff, the owners of the shops that sell them get a spiff which is a little promotion for selling them. And that's kind of sort of the only reason they sell them. So I would avoid anything like that. A car really doesn't need anything except the right grade of oil, changed regular, and a good name brand of gasoline. And it's going to run, and you're going to be tired of looking at it before it wears out if you just do that. You, you answered my question. All right, sir. <laughs> Thanks, Cleveland. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Alright, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. And we have got Philip online. Good morning, Philip. Hey, I good morning. Just mentioned that the word flush is not a good thing to hear with uh, <laughs> uh, tell me. Uh, about twenty thousand miles ago I paid two hundred bucks for transmission servicing. It basically they didn't change any any filters or anything. Yeah. Let me. I do it. Now, yeah, yeah. We can't use brand names on the air, Philip. So you know we get in trouble for doing that. So don't mention any kind of names of specific okay. products. What a flush is, Philip, is that they take and they remove one of the cooler lines from the radiator. They uh, hook it into a little machine and they hook another line back into it and they turn it on and they start the car and it pushes fluid through this little machine, which empties the fluid out on one end and it puts it back in on the other end. Uh, now well, that creates a couple of problems. Number one, it doesn't change anywhere close to 100% of the fluid, like they say. Because if you understand anything about a transmission, you've got a yeah. pump, and the pump is pushing fluid out to several circuits. Some yeah. of it's going to torque converters, some of it's going to clutches, some's going to drums, some's going to the lube circuit, and some's going to that cooler line. Yeah. Some of it's being returned back to the pan because it's making more pressure than it needs. You are, are replacing one circuit only okay so what you're doing is you're taking out let's say you take a quart out that's one twelfth of the fluid you return a quart of clean fluid back to it it dumps into the pan and mixes with the 11 dirty quarts now you take one more quart out and you keep going on and on and on you're not getting anywhere close to 100 percent of the fluid you may be getting 30 to 40 percent of the fluid 
what would you do to service a transmission fluid on a To properly service it, what you need to do is drop the pan, replace the filter, retorque the valve body bolts, inspect everything inside, adjust the shift linkage, check the throttle position sensor and the map sensor, make sure they're reading right, and put the pan back on and fill it up with the right fluid. That's a proper service. And what should I pay for that? Probably on that car, what year is it? 2008. 2008, somewhere under $180. At your place? Yes, sir. Depending on what fluid it takes? Yeah, it's going to take deck six. In 2008. Yeah, but see, the, when you flush it, what you're doing is you're stirring up the trash that's in the pan. It's getting sucked into the filter, so you're just plugging the filter up even more. You know, it sounded too good to be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It always, when well, it does, it is. Philip, the reason they like that is because a C-Tech can hook this little machine up. He can go work on something else while it's running, and he can charge you 200 bucks. Yeah. They got no labor content. They got no parts tied up, and they're making big bucks on it. That's why they get pushed. GM actually says do not flush the transmission. They just came out with a statement not too long ago, do not flush transmissions on their cars. And those machines aren't cheap. No. So they don't have multiple machines. Right. And they have the same fluid in them. Some of them may. Well, you, you, you don't, don't know. You're getting the right fluid. That's back right. Well, did they tell their dealerships anything about that? That was my first statement. You need right. to tell your dealerships because that's the one that's pushing. <laughs> but they have a written statement out against them now. Right. So. All right. I'll see you later in the week. Okay, Phil. All right, sir. Thanks, man. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526 number. We're going to take one last quick little break and be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. For more details on an alien aircraft that landed in North America, we go to a press conference with General Toms. We have been able to communicate with the aliens using a special intergalactic code, and they are an inquisitive bunch. Uh, questions like, uh, is Carrot Top an android? Um, why are those birds so angry? Uh, and uh, who actually did put the bop in the bop shoe bop shoe bop? Sir, is it true they asked for a tow to Agco Automotive, the leader in car maintenance and repair? Yes, they actually explained to me about Agco and having repairs done for the overall lowest cost. They learned it all online at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. It seems like across the universe, everyone knows that Agco is the place to go. Did they seek any more information? Yes, they were curious to know the mysteries of the turducken. Sir, I've often pondered those myself. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. I got lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call. Still got plenty of time. Get on in here and get your questions answered for you. That's right. And should you happen not to make it in the next few minutes, that's right. Have a question after the show goes off the air. You can visit the website and get your questions answered there. That's right. www.agcoauto.com. And just take the acronyms Altazan's Garage Company. And that's right. That'll get you to our site. And there's contact bar there on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night and get it back within 24 hours. That's right. And that's the best way and only way to get in touch with me. You know, if you just call the shop and want to chat. I'm sorry, I'm a real nice guy and all, but man, we got 
probably 30 to 40 customers a day coming through, and I've got to donate my time to the people who are paying my salary. That's it. <laughs> I don't have time to stop and just chat with you. So yeah. just send me an email. That way, when I've got time, I can stop and answer it because people say, well, what's the difference in email and telephone? Well, telephone's right now. That's right. <laughs> and I may have five estimates to get written and, and two customers standing and over, yeah. Part store on the other line and so on and so forth. I just can't come to the phone. It's not that I'm trying to be rude, evasive. I just don't have time to do it. But if you send me an email, that's why I have the website and the email and do the radio shows to get the questions answered. Don't mind that at all, but that's the way we need to do it. So that's if you happen to call and Elaine screens you out. <laughs> yeah, don't don't get upset. Don't that's get upset. Just it's reason. nothing personal. It's just physically don't have time to. to well, you got all that. five technicians shoving work, work orders at all you all day, day long. long. Yeah, like I said, we're running probably 30, 30 to forty cars a day through there, and it takes probably 15, 20 minutes per car. So do the math. That's right. In ain't much hours, time left. <laughs> there ain't much time left. About a, about a half hour for lunch, and that's, that's right. about it. <laughs> that's about it. You got a bunch of calls today on additives and flushing and stuff like uh-huh. that. And what that has kind of come, I guess, devolved, if I can use that word, into, is that a lot of times, particularly like at dealerships, you go in for a recall or for some warranty work. And they're not getting paid to do that as much as they get paid for customer work. That's right. A lot of times it's about half of the going rate. Right. They're getting paid considerably less. The same job paying customer pay is twice as much as warranty pays. Right. But it's the same exact job. Right. Same job for the tech. And he's getting paid commission. So it's real inviting. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's real inviting for them to try to sell you things they are going to make money on. Sure. And that's where the injector flush and the engine flush and transmission flush and all these other silly little services come from. I call them wallet flushes. That's right. Because it's highly, highly profitable, quick work where they can make up the loss. So you're basically subsidizing the warranty process when you buy that junk. But there's no car that really needs that. That's right. And there's strong evidence that suggests you may actually do damage to your car. So you do not need injector cleaner on a regular basis. You do not need the engine flushed out on a regular basis. You do not need the transmission flushed. You do need certain fluids replaced properly. Properly. But what they call flush is where they hook a little machine up. The reason they do that is because a C-Tech can sit there and hook a little machine up, go off and do something else, and then come back unhook it. And he's made X number of dollars in a certain period of time, way more than he would have fixing the car properly. Correct. So it's just really more about something to sell than it is about value to the customer, in my opinion. We're going back to our phone lines. We've got Alvin online. Good morning, Alvin. How you doing, sir? Doing great, Good sir. Good morning. All right. I got an old 2 Ford Windstar. Okay. And just recently, I'm getting this, like, a hesitation. I'm not sure if it's coming from the transmission. It's a little rumble. What is it actually doing, Alvin? Uh, during acceleration. It feels like it's a little hesitation in it. Kind of like you give it the gas rumble. and it hesitates a second, then it goes? Yes, sir. The, the tachometer doesn't jump up or anything? It doesn't race up and not move. It just, just stumbles literally like the motor's bogging yeah. down? Yes, sir. Alvin, I can tell you, by a pretty wide margin, the number one cause of that is a dirty airflow meter. The airflow okay. meter is a device, and what it does is that when you mash down on the gas pedal, the throttle pops open, so air starts to rush into the engine. Now, the computer has to match that air to fuel or else it's going to bog down. It's going to lean out and bog down. But if that airflow meter doesn't inform it that more air is coming in instantly, then it's going to have that hesitation of bog. Eventually, it's going to catch it because the O2 sensor is going to go lean and it's going to override the airflow meter and it's going to kick it up anyway. So that's why it's going to go ahead and take off. And it may take a split second to do that. 
But that is by far the most common thing. It's certainly not the only thing, but that is a wide margin, the most common. That happens a lot of times when you use an aftermarket air filter on the car. A lot of those don't fit properly. A lot of times the seals don't fit properly. And some of the high-performance air filters will cause that because they can they got oil in them, and that oil will get on that airflow meter, and it'll cause it to start doing that. You could try cleaning, but you got to be extremely careful because you can damage it real easy, and it's an expensive part. It's probably a $400 part. So wow. you might want to take it to somebody who knows what to do and have them clean it for you. I know at Agco we only charge about a half hour's labor to clean it, which is a whole lot less than the risk of tearing up a four hundred dollar airflow meter. A lot of times cleaning it will fix it, right? You know, get it working again. There are a few times there when it just can't be cleaned or, or can't get it back working again. It may just have to be have replaced. Have to be replaced. But you know, it would certainly be worth the try. Most shops, a half hour labor is probably forty to fifty dollars somewhere. And when you figure that the new meter is probably four hundred dollars, pretty good gamble. What All right. what you don't want to do is go get an aftermarket airflow meter to put right. on it. Yeah. You, you're going to have worlds then, of trouble. Then, yeah, you'll be having trouble for the rest of your life then. So you'd have to go back with the original Ford part and if, it, that if that comes to that. Right, if it comes to that. And a lot of them want your old one as a core. Right. So once it leaves your hand, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's uh, no exactly. chance of getting that one back. Yeah, you want to be real careful, Dad, because I know guys go down to a parts store and put an aftermarket with on. Man, that's just the beginning they got, of a... they got trouble after trouble oh, after yeah. trouble. Yeah, they never run right And again. they can't get their old one back. Right. All so, right. I appreciate that. Okay, All right, man. sir. Yeah, yeah, have a good day. Okay, Thank you Alvin, now. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. I four nine 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 five two six number. You want to be part of the automotive hour? If we can make it real fast, I think we got time for one more call. We got Elmo online. Good morning, Elmo. Hey, good, good morning, morning, man. Yes, sir. Good morning. Okay, look, I'm driving an Astro ninety five, uh-huh. and I had no problem with it. But the other day, I was going on the road mm-hmm. and tried to accelerate it and just killed. So I brought it home, and it's, it's not receiving any fire. I think. What could that be, you think? Well, I'll tell you what. What's real common on those, Elmo, check the distributor cap and rotor. Those had a lot of trouble, and what happens if the plugs get old, the cap will kind of start firing around inside of there, and it'll burn the rotor up on them. I fixed a lot of those by just putting the distributor cap and rotor on them. Okay. I mean, that's one thing to check if it's not getting fire. Uh-huh. Make sure it's getting fuel because it could also be the fuel pump went out or something like that. But okay. I know we fixed a whole lot of those just by changing the distributor cap and rotor, and if that doesn't do it, Sometimes the distributor itself will go bad. Right, the pickup will actually go bad in it right. sometimes. But I would certainly check with that. Just take the doghouse off, pull it off, look inside, and if that rotor is burned up or a piece is missing, then that's going to pretty much tell you what and you do. And do yourself know. a favor and pull the passenger seat out. It's a whole lot easier to get the doghouse that's out. That's right. Just going to oh. take the seat out. Yeah. And, yeah, you want to go back with an AC Delco part on that. You don't want to use any kind of aftermarket junk. Okay, then. All righty. All right. I'm thinking it may be the pickup car because it's just It's possible. It's, it's possible. But I tell you, I've seen the distributor cab do this. In fact, i got one in my shop right now. A guy had it towed in. That's what it was on that one. Okay. All righty. All right. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. All right. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. I think we're just about out of time. That's it. Pretty darn close anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Every week, we kind of ask that folks go on iTunes and rate us. Right. And... We don't get paid to do the show. We enjoy doing it. But that is the reward that we can get is we do see that, we, hey, we are doing good here. So if you go on iTunes and do a search, just search for the word automotive hour. Uh-huh. Be sure you put hour in there, and it'll bring you pretty much to us. Pretty close, huh? Click on that, and that way you can go ahead and leave a rating for us. We hope you leave us a five-star good rating, but if not, we'll just take what we get. That's it. <laughs> a preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.
are reports of alien aircraft landing across the nation. For more, we go to field reporter Jack McClin. Dave, the alien ship has malfunctioned, and they're actually communicating with General Toms via intergalactic code. I uh, see. Your ship is broken down. You want to be taken to our leader, the president? Oh, to Agco Automotive, the leader in car maintenance and repair, where they don't just work on cars, they fix them. Sir, he's correct. You can trust the honest, knowledgeable team at Agco to do the job right. Sergeant, it looks like we're dealing with some highly evolved life form. Dave, I'll sign off for now, but it seems that across the universe, everyone knows that Agco is the place to go. And if you want to learn more, go to agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Wait, there's another question. What is it, General? Well, they heard Demi Moore's back on the market and won her phone number. <laughs> like you said, a highly evolved life form.